This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. The boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual with me, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How are you? Good, Wally. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much. Uh, Just to let our listeners know where we're going today. Uh, first up will be Michael Trakos, the uh, hockey writer, s- senior writer for Post Media. And in the middle of the hour, uh, should be fun. Toronto Maple Leafs coach Sheldon Keith. Certainly looking forward to that. Uh, so, uh, should be, a, should be a great show. Naz, uh, just to catch up, uh, you and your family are still well, I presume. They are, they are. We're doing well and we're surviving this whole thing. And we're going to be, we're going to be home, home free soon, I hope. Hopefully, uh, everybody's getting a little bit restless, uh, locked up in our, uh, uh, locked up in our homes. Uh, a lot of us, uh, you know, obviously there's certain of us that aren't, uh, who have to go to work every day. And some of our best are, are, uh, are in the front lines. And we've talked about it on the show, re- uh, recently every week. And it, it, I think it would be appropriate once again to give thanks. To our frontline workers, our healthcare workers, our nurses, our doctors, our first responders, our policemen, our firefighters, our truck drivers, our grocery store clerks, all those people who are out there providing essential services for the rest of us. Uh, certainly, uh, you have my thanks, and as I'll allow you to uh, give your thanks uh, personally. I can't say much more than that. Thanks very much, and keep the hard work going, and we'll try to be back to normal soon. And we certainly uh, would like to see that happen. Uh, Naz, a uh, few minutes before we go to break, NFL draft this week, the one sport that's still got some things going on, uh, held virtually. Uh, the funniest moment, uh, uh, the funniest moment of the draft is every, every draft, you know, it's a, it's a standard feature in all uh, professional sports, sports drafts. Uh, where the where the crowd boos the commissioner, while uh, mm-hmm. because there was no crowd uh, this time, they had a virtual booing. I thought that I thought that was a pretty, that was pretty nice good. touch. That was pretty good. Uh, they had the highest ratings, Wally. They had the highest ratings ever. Oh, there's nothing else to watch, Ned. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm getting tired of watching reruns of the Beverly Hillbillies and and uh, Get Smart. So, uh, all kidding aside, there is a, there is there's some fantastic television on Netflix and Prime and all that stuff, but you know, you know, we're sports fanatics. We, you know, I'm, you know, they mean, you can only go so far watching 1960s and 1970s reruns of, uh, of, uh, great events. Not, uh, it's nice to, but I'm, I'm, I want to see some live sports. That's, uh, that's what we're waiting for. NFL draft, Naz, the Buffalo Bills. I know if we were in studio today, you're up in Nobleton. I'm in Richmond Hill. If we were in studio in Liberty Village, you would probably be wearing your Bruce Smith uh, Buffalo Bills jersey. Sort of a quiet draft for the Bills, except for one notable 
notable drafting uh, decision by the Bills. They did not have a first-round pick. Uh, Nez, I uh, a little bit, a little bit of a shocker in the fifth round. I think the shock Jake was he, Fromm. he he lasted that long. Um, your thoughts on that pick, Jake Fromm? What an interesting pick. He went from second round projection to the fifth round, and it's because of his arm strength at the combine. And they don't think he can throw the ball down the field, so that's why they didn't draft him higher. But that's a pretty good pick. He was yeah. very good in the SEC with Georgia. And he played in the toughest division in college football. And of course, the Southeastern Conference. Uh, Jake Fromm, fifth. You know, some people will question that pick. Why are we drafting a quarterback when we already have our quarterback of the future, or not even of the future, of the present, in, in Josh Allen? Uh, I, don't, I don't think there's any, any intention uh, here that, uh, that Jake Fromm is going to take over from Josh Allen. But, you know, Jake Fromm... Uh, Played in some pretty significant games in his in his university career with the Bulldogs, Georgia Bulldogs. He sure did. Uh, you know he's been and you know performed performed extremely well in 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 some really really high level high pressure games. I think you know the reality is you, in in today's NFL you better have somebody who can come off the bench who can play. Uh, I think it's it's a rare occasion now that your starter plays every single minute of every single game for the entire year. Uh, it's not unusual for a starter to get hurt um, and a good backup plan. And certainly I think Jake Fromm's an improvement there. Jake Fromm, whether he grows into a, uh, into a first, uh, first-line NFL quarterback, I, I think he's got the tools. Uh, I don't think there's any question that um, – that uh, he has the ability. And then, you know, if he does that, uh, not necessarily that he's going to take over from Josh Allen, but if he progresses into a first-line NFL quarterback, then you know what? You can you can get some assets back in return for him. You hear the same line. Uh, Tom Brady went seventh round, right? Uh, I think why, why not? Fifth or sixth, but I think you make the point. Now, I think you make the point. The point is he, he went in the later rounds, of course. Yeah, so you know, you always find uh, you know it's not uh, not that difficult. Every now and then, you'll find a diamond in the rough in the later rounds, and uh, I, I don't think Montana was a first round draft draft pick either, if I'm not mistaken. I think he may have been second or third round. I'd have to go Google it. I may be wrong, but I don't remember Montana I think being he was a the second round pick. Yeah, yeah. So you you can find uh, good players. Uh, overall, the Bills are looking good. Number one draft choice overall, Joe uh, Joe Burrow of LSU. LSU had 14 players drafted in the first, uh, not in the first round, in the draft, uh, which tied the Ohio State record. Uh, your favorite, uh, Alabama, Nez, uh, they had quite a few guys chosen he as well, should, did they not? Been, he should have been the first pick overall. Uh, Tua should have been number one. The reason why he wasn't number one is he was injury prone. And Miami got a great quarterback, and I hate to see him come to Buffalo and play the Bills. I love Tua. I saw him play in Alabama three years ago. And the uh, first time I saw him, I knew he was going to be in the NFL. And hi. And uh, got to go to uh, break. We've got to get Michael Trakos on. But before we go to break, uh, a lot of Steeler fans in the, uh, amongst, uh, amongst uh, my, uh, my social circle and uh, a lot of Steeler fans in, 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 the, in the Toronto area in southern Ontario. And uh, interesting pick. Chase Claypool, a great pick. Uh, favorite of mine, of course, because he's from the Fighting Irish, Notre Dame, and also a Canadian kid. Um, 
great talent, great wide receiver. Certainly looking forward to seeing him in a Pittsburgh Steeler uniform. I thought uh, I thought that was a, a great pick by the Steelers. He's a terrific receiver. Very, yes. very good. Yeah. And, uh, in Oklahoma, Neville Gallimore got drafted by Dallas. Here's an interesting thought. He yeah. does the 40-yard in 4.72 seconds. And how, how much does he weigh? 305 pounds. <laughs> He's got wide receiver speed in, a, in alignment. 305 uh, pounds. Can you believe it? That's, that's a scary package, but the uh, the athletic ability of, of these kids nowadays is off the charts. Uh, size, speed, dexterity, hand-eye coordination. Uh, certainly the uh, the athletics of, uh, of, of, uh, of, of athletes today is, is beyond belief. And, you know, you get a 305-pounder. Man, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to have to face him when he's when he's rumbling downfield and trying to block you. you if I was a cornerback, I think I'd be a little bit nervous. On that Incredible. note, Naz, uh, uh, we got to go to break, and we're going to get come back from the break with uh, national writer for Post Media, Michael Trakos. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville introduced contact-free delivery. Order and prepay online, and choose contact-free delivery. The driver will place your order on your doorstep in a nice, clear, protective bag. Then he'll politely stand back two metres and call the number on the receipt. Once you answer the door, he'll give you a little toodaloo and off he goes. Contact free delivery from pizzaville.ca or the Pizzaville app. Are you real ready? If you're a real estate agent, we can help you sell more homes. A business owner? We'll help show it off to the community at large. And if you're a homeowner, we'll supply accurate floor plans for every room in your home. Because selling property is all in the details. Real Tours Media. Creators of 3D virtual tours, walkthrough video, HDR photography, logos and brands. Check out the one-stop shop for successful real estate agents. Realtoursmedia.ca With a little training, anyone can learn the security business while on duty at your home or company. It's unfortunate, but a lot of security companies are just not experienced enough to handle the complex dynamics of tactical security. And that little bit of training and experience can end up costing you a lot more than you bargained for. Peace of mind, trust, and honor is the foundation on which the Regal Security reputation is built. They're driven, they're respected, and they're unrivaled. They're everyday superheroes. Visit them online at regalsecurity.ca and find out how much they know, not how much they can learn. To become a champion in business, it takes coaching, training, and bench strength. And every team needs a skilled player like KPMG Enterprise for private companies. KPMG Enterprise helps entrepreneurs and family businesses grow, strengthen, and transition by offering a full suite of services, including audit, accounting, tax, and advisory. Your business doesn't stand still. It evolves. Team up with a winner. Visit kpmg.ca slash enterprise. Let's do this. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. 
This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. Are they ever wrong about sports? I can answer that in two words. Impossible. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual with me, uh, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Joining us now, national hockey writer for Post Media, author of the next one's how um, McDavid, Matthews, and a group of young guns took over the NHL. It's a great, great book. I highly recommend it. Of course, I'm talking about Michael Trakos. Good morning, Michael. How are you? Hey, guys. How are you doing today? Anyways, before we get started, Michael, uh, I, I guess it's uh, an appropriate opportunity now to wish you a happy birthday. Uh, I understand it's no, your birthday today. Birthday, Michael. <laughs> I can't get anything by you guys, can I? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Thanks very much, though. No, uh, yeah, I... I will tell you, we will save you the indignity of uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago. We had David Keon on the show, and uh, we had our, our voice, uh, Kim Mason, actually sang him happy birthday on our show. So, Michael, unfortunately, Naz and I, our voices aren't that great. We will not sing you happy birthday. So yeah, uh, we'll that's, try that. that's the best present I've ever seen so far. <laughs> How are you, Michael? I'm doing all right. Uh, you know, hanging in there. Uh, a lot of work from home, obviously. Um, it'd be nice to be covering, I guess, what would be probably the, the start of the second round or thereabouts uh, right now. Well, it would have been nice to see if the Toronto Maple Leafs would have been able to get over that hump this year. Um, I think my colleague, Terry Koshan, said that uh, a day ago um, was basically um, the day for the last two or three years where locker cleanout was. Uh, being held, yeah. and that's how we'd be approaching this weekend right now. Either it would have even been locked the clean out and sort of looking back at what went wrong in the first round uh, again, um, or we'd be looking ahead to possibly you know a matchup against maybe the Bruins in the second round. So um, yeah, a lot has changed obviously since March 12th when the league went on hiatus. But uh, it will be nice to see if uh, we can get back to normalcy and uh, complete the season. Michael, uh, you wrote an article the other day about uh, Donald Fear and uh, Gary Bettman. Apparently, they are uh, corresponding with each other almost on a daily basis. Uh, where there's various alternatives to getting the NHL either season and slash or playoffs going again. Um, there's talk about neutral site. Uh, games without fans, different issue with respect to the playoff format, different issues about a potential date, um, the isolation of players. I mean, there's a lot of really, there's a lot of moving targets here. Um, what are you hearing, if anything, uh, with respect to discussions about these various issues? And if you had a, uh, and if you had a gut instinct, How's all this going to play out? Well, whatever option that the uh, the league and the PA decide to go down, um, ultimately it's going to 
Well, first, you're going to have to have uh, numbers uh, regarding this pandemic to go down and to flatten. Um, and that hasn't happened yet. So it's all contingent on that. And, you know, it's also contingent on, you know, which areas in the U.S. and Canada um, are, are safer than others. Uh, they're not going to go into uh, a spot like Calgary where the numbers are still crazy high or Boston uh, or New York, obviously. Um, so I think when I was talking with Don Fair, there was just so many things that we just didn't know and we still don't know. And we probably won't know for another month or so. Um, but whatever happens, obviously the NHL uh, and the Players Association are going to have to work um, lockstep in, in that regard. And they're going to have to both be on the same page. And there are some concerns when I talk to players about you know, what maybe some players uh, who are gunning for a championship won't mind sacrificing two months of their lives where they're in a hotel away from their family uh, for that long. But uh, even if it's 5%, even if it's one or two players, um, and it could be one or two key players. If they're not willing to go with this sort of plan to finish the season under all costs and then hurry along and get right back into hockey for the 2021 season, um, you're going to have problems. And talking to Don Ferry, he said, yeah, everyone has to be on board with this. If, it, if not, it's just not going to work because, well, let's face it, this is something that the players didn't sign up for and asking to do it now. Um, you might run into a lot of roadblocks. So I don't know where it stands. I think the NHL, obviously, you hear Gary Bettman speak, and it sounds like he is just hell-bent on getting the season back um, when it's safe to do so. Um, and he's willing to do basically anything uh, to do that. Uh, Don Fair sounds like the same way. And, you know, money talks. And I, I think that's the, the number one motivating reason behind that. Um, without this season, um, they're going to lose a tremendous amount of money. And it's not going to only affect the next season, but the season after that. And there quite possibly could be a few franchises that maybe never recover. So, yeah, I, I think we're going to get a season. Um, you know, all things considered, and if, if the numbers are going to be going down in the next month or two, but we just don't know. Um, but if I'm going to bet, I, I think the NHL, like I said, is just so motivated to get this thing done that they're going to be willing to risk um, any anything in terms of you know what we normally see uh, of the playoffs and change the format completely just to do it. Michael, is it their intention to complete the regular season? I don't think so. I think the regular season is done. Um, and I think that's going to be the tricky part is that how they figure out who's a playoff team and who's not a playoff team. And, and like I said, when I, when I mentioned that they're willing to do anything possible, I think that includes, you know, opening up the playoffs to more than 16 teams. Um, and quite possibly, um, having a sort of play in, uh, round just to get the, the numbers to, um, you know, eight and eight, uh, across your conferences. But I think the season is done. I don't think when you hear some guys out of Montreal and LA, like Drew Doughty talk about, you know, why am I going to work out? Why am I going to rush back and have a training camp for, uh, a meaningless rest of the two week of the season mm-hmm. when those teams are just not going to be in the playoffs regardless? Uh, it doesn't make sense, and players understand that. They're, they're at this point in the year, they would have been already in summer mode, already sort of training, uh, going into their off-season trainings, and now you're asking them to rush back for nothing. It doesn't make sense at all. 
Uh, Michael, uh, the Leafs signed this uh, this new Russian, uh, Barabanov. Uh, what have you heard about him? Uh, not much, to be honest. <laughs> okay. I'm, I don't watch a whole lot of uh, KHL games. Um, I know he's in his mid-20s. Um, I know when they talk about him, it could be another Ilya Mikheyev situation uh, where this guy, uh, undrafted player, um, you know, reaches his peak um, maybe later on, uh, puts together a couple good pro years. But um, no, he, I, I don't remember him at the Olympics. Um I know he played in the Olympics. Um, didn't look like he had um, the greatest showing there. You know, what I'm looking right now, he's had he had a goal and assist in six games. Not, not the greatest thing, but you know, plays for a really good team. Like St. Petersburg um, is always the cream of the crop in terms of the KHL teams. Um, put up some decent numbers last year and the year before, and just one of those guys that might just be another late bloomer. Um, one thing about him is though, he's, he's another small size winger and uh, a guy who is sub six feet uh, on this team that plays in the wing. Well, you know, add him to the list of uh, guys that this team already has in the system. So uh, it'd be interesting. I think, you know, when you're looking at what the Leafs are going to do with Mikhaev, with the Pierre Engvel, um, with, you know, like, are they going to trade Kasperi Tappanen? Are they going to trade Andreas Janssen in the summer trying to get defenseman? Well, you do move move out some of those forwards that are proven. Uh, you're going to need some, you know, cheaper options in their place. And you know, if a guy like uh, Alexander Bar- Barabanov can uh, take that spot, then you know, Kyle Dubas uh, is able to kind of ship out a, a guy like uh, Kapanen or a Janssen if that's the if that's the move that he makes. Michael, they've opened the training facility. They are opening the training facilities for the NBA May first. Permission given. You think it's a little premature? Yes, <laughs> that's what less than two weeks away. <laughs> Incredible! I don't see it. I don't see it either. And but money talks, like I mentioned. And you know, the NHL is going to look at that because you know I don't think they tra- I don't think they share training facilities with NBA teams. There might be one or two that do, um, but you know that. It always seems like whatever the NBA does, the NHL follows suit. And we saw that with, you know, the NBA the night before the NHL closed its doors. It was the NBA had gone on hiatus because of some positive tests. And uh, that's really all it took to kind of push the needle uh, for Gary Bettman to follow suit. So, you know, if the NBA is opening up May 1st, don't be surprised if the NHL is watching what happens in those situations like a hawk and if everything turns out okay in the weeks that follow, and again, I'm highly, highly skeptical that we even get to May 1st and the NBA is opening up training facilities, but let's just for the sake of argument that it does happen and um, the NHL is going to, you know, make their decisions based on how successful or unsuccessful that is. Yeah, I, I think there may be an asterisk to all of that is, I, I, you know, the NBA may be opening up training facilities, but I think the situation's a little bit different down in the States. They may be opening them up in states where they're permitted to open them up. Um, I, I, you know, the, the, you know, the NBA is a, is a business like any other business and they're subject to the law. And I'm sure in some states, probably in New York City, I doubt very much uh, that they're actually legally permitted. And in Canada, I think we're shut down across the country, so it's a little bit different. But uh, I, I tend to agree with you guys. That I, 
you know, May 1st is next is uh, right. coming up this week. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I, you know, I, I mean, my, I guess at the end of the day, if, if they if they feel that, that it's safe in certain states, but then you get into the whole issue of, you know, OK, so you open it up in half the teams because it's legally permitted and the other half it's not then that creates a competitive issue as well, doesn't it? You know, I mean, how can you allow your half your teams to train and uh, your other half of your teams not to train? It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, uh, Michael, um, Ovechkin-Gretzky, that issue has popped up. You wrote an article about it. Um, and, you know, that, that debate is heating up, and now it's also being discussed because we're in lockdown and how, how that affects. Uh, Gretzky seems to be a big, big supporter of uh, Ovechkin and Ovechkin taking over his record. I know you had some thoughts on that this week. Yeah, well, Gretzky had a front row seat for one of Ovechkin's greatest goals of all time, um, the one where he scored on his back against the Coyotes. And, uh, yeah, I think like the rest of us, Wayne just loves the enthusiasm, the excitement, the uh, you know the jaw-dropping skill that this, this guy's uh, had over his career. And, Let's face it, like you could have dropped Alex Ovechkin into 1980s NHL hockey and he would have been even more successful just with the style he played. Like he was sort of a, a Cam Neely, uh, Wendell Clark, Eric Lindros type of player where uh, he, he didn't just score goals, but he loved to hit. Um, loved that physicality of the game too. So, um, you know, unlike maybe a, a Connor McDavid or like a Mitch Marner, you're going, yeah, what would his game play out? Back in the 70s, 80s era of hockey, um, definitely Alex had a game that would have, you know, thrived in, in that era. And, you know, I, I hope that uh, he gets close to the record. Uh, I think with records like this, it's all about health and uh, what your body's looking like, not just uh, year by year, but what it looks like as you creep closer to the age of 40. And uh, what Alex has going for him is that, you know, he, he can score in the power play, he doesn't have to. Um, score five on five, but what's going against them is that you know he's already survived two lockouts and now he's had a, a season cut short because of uh, COVID nineteen, and we don't know when hockey can be played next. And you know when it is played next, is this extremely long layoff going to affect Alex in a way that uh, maybe the World Cup of Hockey affected him when you know all that uh, rushing back to uh, play a playoff style tournament. Um, he put up his one of his worst seasons after that just because he looked like he was gassed. And Drew Daddy was talking about that a couple of weeks ago and saying that that was, you know, you look at the numbers for a lot of older guys or a lot of um, star players, and their numbers are just awful. Um, it was the young guys that really thrived because, you know, they didn't mind jumping from one playoff to another season. Um, so that'll be interesting. And I think that's the, the one thing that we got to look at with Alex Ovechkin is that how much I'll all this time that he's missed, like I said, the two lockouts um, affected his pursuit of a number that uh, really comes down to how many games you can play and how many seasons you can play. I'll be talking to Michael Trakos. Michael, unfortunately, we've got to we've got to let you go. And uh, we had a quick chat about it yesterday. Really, really quickly, there's a fabulous new series on Netflix called The Last Dance. Uh, I think it's one of the better things I've seen in a long, long time. I know you, uh, you, uh, you've been watching it and, uh, your thoughts. It's all about the Chicago Bulls, Michael Jordan, Scotty Pippen and in the, in the 90s gang. Uh, 20, 30 seconds, Michael. Uh, your thoughts on that series? 
Oh, yeah, I'd love it. I wish that the NHL could kind of borrow borrow that, and maybe uh, it'd be great if we find out that you know at the Wayne's last year in Edmonton was documented in the same regard. Um, it would be great to kind of go down that, or even like the Detroit Red Wings era with Steve Eiserman and a young uh, Henrik Zetterberg and Pavel Datsuk. Uh, I would <laughs> I would pay money to see a series like that. Um, watching Datsuk on a line with Robitaille, and I think it was Brett Hall. Um, in the heyday of that Red Wings team. So I think the best thing about that Bulls series is just how much documentary footage there was of uh, the Bulls at that time and just what a great job they did of going back and um, retracing Scottie Pippen's and Michael Jordan's early career, um, college years as well, and getting to the heart of what made that team tick. Anyways, we've been talking to Michael Trakos. Michael, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for your support, and uh, we wish you a happy birthday again. Have a fantastic day. Thanks, guys. Stay safe. Anyways, we've got to go to break, and we'll be right back with the coach of the Toronto Maple Leaf, Leafs, Sheldon Keefe. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville introduced contact-free delivery. Order and prepay online and choose contact-free delivery. The driver will place your order on your doorstep in a nice, clear, protective bag. Then he'll politely stand back two metres and call the number on the receipt. Once you answer the door, he'll give you a little toodaloo and off he goes. Contact free delivery from pizzaville.ca or the Pizzaville app. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Bond. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. To become a champion in business, it takes coaching, training, and bench strength. And every team needs a skilled player like KPMG Enterprise for private companies. KPMG Enterprise helps entrepreneurs and family businesses grow, strengthen, and transition by offering a full suite of services, including audit, accounting, tax, and advisory. Your business doesn't stand still. It evolves. Team up with a winner. Visit kpmg.ca slash enterprise. Let's do this. The security business is easy, right? Anyone can learn it. Perhaps they can learn it on duty with your valuables at stake. Perhaps they can learn it in a crisis situation that requires an immediate intelligent response when lives are at risk. After all, what harm can a few mistakes make? Plenty. When it comes to security for your business or office, an experienced partner like Regal Security makes sense. Security is what they do. Peace of mind is what they provide. Visit them online at regalsecurity.ca and find out how much they know, not how much they can learn. Are you real ready? If you're a real estate agent, we can help you sell more homes. A business owner? We'll help show it off to the community at large. And if you're a homeowner, we'll supply accurate floor plans for every room in your home. Because selling property is all in the details. Real Tours Media. Creators of 3D virtual tours, walkthrough video, HDR photography, logos and brands. Check out the one-stop shop for successful real estate agents. Realtoursmedia.ca There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. 
The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. They never argue sports. They just explain while they're always correct. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are on the new AM740 in downtown Toronto, 96.7 FM, live streaming, www.zoomerradio.ca. We're thrilled and pleased to welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour the coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Leafs Sheldon Keith. Good morning, Sheldon. Good morning, guys. How you doing? We're doing great. Thanks so much for joining us, and welcome to uh, Zoomer Radio. First question, of course, is uh, how are you? How's your family, and uh, and uh, what's going on? Well, thanks. Uh, we're, we're doing well. We're managing like everybody else uh, here right now, and uh, trying to take advantage of the time that we do have to spend with each other and uh, going through everything that... Uh, any any young family would go through. I got two young boys that are obviously ready to get out and play with their friends and do all that deal. But uh, it's been it's been both fun and interesting to go through everything from uh, working on their schoolwork here at home to trying to keep them busy and uh, try new things and um, spend lots of time together. So we've been we've been enjoying that, and of course uh, there's been lots happening. Uh, from uh, the work side of it, in terms of continuing to, to stay to stay sharp and learn what we can about our team while we're taking this time and communicating with uh, you know all the different departments in, in the organization, from players to player development and our coaching staff, of course, and uh, management and all the different departments, you know, just to keep everybody up to speed and uh, trying to use the time that we have wisely. Sheldon, what are you hearing about the start of the season? We're hearing lots, lots of things out there. What are you hearing? Well, I think I'm, I'm hearing, you know, pretty much the same things that are out there in the media. Uh, if the NHL has done a, you know, a pretty great job of keeping people informed, and that, in, that includes us. Uh, there's obviously lots of different scenarios that have been uh, tossed uh, around, and uh, you know, the NHL is making plans and. Uh, you know, I think obviously everybody realizes though that it's it's going to be uh, up to the health officials to determine when it's safe for us to resume first of all training and then getting back uh, towards playing. But uh, you know, we're we are certainly excited that the NHL is taking steps to to do what they can to be prepared if that if when that occurs. Sheldon, where uh, just from a curiosity point of view, where are the players right now? Are they all mostly in the Toronto area? Are they all scattered around the world in their home, in their hometowns? Uh, generally, uh, you know, obviously without getting into specific uh, confidential details. Generally, where are they right now? Yeah, most of them. Most of them have uh, gone back to to their hometowns or to where they would normally spend their off seasons. Of course, we do have a number of players. Who are you know from the area here, and, and they've remained. Uh, but you know, for the most part, the players have all returned to their off-season uh, home bases, which is you know, which has allowed them to have a little bit more 
uh, availability uh, for them to not only to be with family and things like that, but uh, you know to have you know their off season setups, if you will, which you know at a time like this when it, you know they have to remain home and um, go by the guidelines that have been been laid out that they they also need to have you know uh, opportunities to train and do those things and the number of players have have uh, certainly better setups in their off season homes than they would in in their condos which is what they which is where, where most players you know would live during the season so that's where they're at and uh, you know they're I've been communicating with them and they're staying positive and staying busy and, and our training staff has done a terrific job of uh, trying to adapt to the situation and making sure that everybody has a customized program to take advantage of what they have at their disposal. Uh, Sheldon, go ahead. Sheldon, um, what are you hearing uh, on the injury front from your side? Has everybody recovered or? Yeah, we, we've got uh, well, the two main injured guys that were, that hadn't been playing for us. I guess there's three players. With uh, Jake Muzzin and Killian Mikheyev and then Andreas Janssen. Uh, uh, Janssen's more of a long term uh, case after him having uh, knee surgery. So he's still recovering and he's still months away. Uh, however, Mikheyev and Muzzin both have been uh, taking advantage of the extra time to, um, to be feeling good. And uh, the NHL has allowed the injured players, uh, so anybody who was on the injured reserve and is recovering from an injury has allowed those players to to remain at the facility and continue to go in and get treatment that they require to get uh, get back up to, to getting game ready. So both uh, Muslim and Kev have taken advantage of that and uh, are feeling good. And those, those guys have been able to skate up until uh, a couple of weeks ago when the ice was taken out. Um, at Scotia Bank Arena, but um, they've, they've been training and working out, and they're they're feeling good. And we're talking to Toronto Maple Leafs coach Sheldon Teeth. Sheldon, November twentieth, two thousand and nineteen, you became the coach of one of the most storied franchises in NHL history. Uh, but you had an interesting journey uh, that got you to that specific date and time. Uh, some fantastic years with the Sioux Greyhounds. Calder Cup and great years with the Toronto Marlies. Uh, fantastic uh, career in the Ontario Hockey League uh, with St. Mike's and the Barry Colts. Uh, outstanding achievements there. Um, but the interesting part about this for me, and I have to ask you this question. Um, in 2003, uh, at the age of 23, you became the owner. Uh, you started sort of started at the top of the pyramid rather than the bottom. You became the owner. You purchased the Pembroke Lumber Kings um, Junior A franchise. Um, what possessed a 23 year old to buy an O not an OHL but a, a Canadian Junior A uh, hockey team? Well, yeah, it was uh, you know a little a little a little different and unique for sure. But uh, I had a gentleman named Kevin Abrams who. It turns out now is actually the uh, the president commissioner of that of that junior A league uh, that Pembroke participates in the Central Canada Hockey League, uh, and uh, he had been involved in junior hockey for quite some time, and, and at the time was working outside of hockey, but was wanting to get back involved. And while I was 
while I was playing uh, in the NHL at the time, he just kind of asked me if I had ever, you know, if I had ever, or if I would ever consider um, owning a, a junior team, and you know, uh, certainly owning a junior A team uh, at that time in particular was, you know, was not uh, not a massive investment, and certainly nothing like owning a, an OHL team. Um, but at the same time, a chance to kind of give back to junior hockey and, and stay engaged in junior hockey. And, um, yeah, I thought it was a neat, a neat thing, uh, to, to consider. But of course, I, I was thinking way down the line, um, uh, you know, something to do perhaps when I finished playing. And then, uh, he just came back to me not long after that and just, you know, if there's, if you're serious, there is a, a really good opportunity, uh, in, in Pembroke. Uh, for those that don't know or haven't been, Pembroke is as, a, as unique uh, a s- uh, city as you will find uh, for junior A hockey uh, in terms of how ingrained it is in, in the community there and the, the fan support, uh, the arena, the, everything about the Lumber Kings is very unique. And, and I think from my, my experience, uh, far beyond anything that you find in Ontario, especially for junior A hockey. So I have a great opportunity to, to get in, involved with that and then as it turned out, um, my playing career ended much sooner than I had thought it would or had hoped that it would. And uh, luckily for me, I had an opportunity to continue to be involved in the game. Uh, later on, um, you uh, switched over to the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds, the OHL franchise. And of course, that would have been uh, when uh, you started. Uh, well, I don't know when it started, but Kyle Dubas was involved with the Greyhounds. Tell us. Did you know Kyle before that, and how uh, how did you end up going from Pembroke to the Sioux? Well, yeah, I, yeah, I coached, uh, you know, I was the head coach there in in Pembroke at the junior level for uh, it was it was part way through my seventh season, the Sem, and I got the call from Kyle, and, and I did not know him previously, other than a couple very casual. Um, Encounters or conversations uh, in the arenas. Uh, at the time, he was an agent, and I was trying to recruit a couple of his players, but I certainly did not uh, know him um, other than a couple of those type of conversations that you have with a lot of different uh, agents, agents and advisors. But he had called me, and uh, you know, Kyle, of course, is a very thorough. Uh, guy and then was doing his own work and considering to make a coaching change and um, through a number of people that he had spoken with, my name had been mentioned, so he thought it was worthwhile to have a conversation with me and it started with that and then ultimately he decided to make the change and, and bring me in and give me a chance to coach there, which of course I was tremendously grateful for. It was an exciting opportunity and uh, we were able to, to work together and build a, a, a successful program there in Sault Ste. Marie. And then, you know, once again, good fortune for me that he gets the job with the Maple Leafs as assistant general manager. And then uh, it ultimately gives me a chance to, to work in pro hockey with the Marlies. Nes? You coached in, um, in Toronto with the Marlies. What do you feel is the difference between the NHL coaching and coaching at the AHL level? Well, I would say that the, the biggest difference, well, there's a, there's, a, there's a few different things, of course, but 
you know, the, the, the degree of talent uh, that you're working with. Uh, you're, you're working with the best of the best, of course. And a number of them do come through the doors of the American Hockey League and develop. But, you know, the, uh, the, the truly elite players, such as, you know, you know, Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, John Tavares, these type of players that don't come to through the AHL doors for a reason because they're elite. So that that would be the difference, both in the ones that you coach and the ones that you coach against, uh, makes it a little bit different in that sense. A little more like junior hockey, uh, uh, in in terms of the fact that you do have, you know, in junior hockey, the, the elite players do play there, um, but the AHL level you don't get uh, quite that same. Degree of talent. Uh, then you know the biggest thing would just be the schedule, uh, the way that the schedule is, and uh, the, the NHL schedule is quite relentless. And for the most part, it's an every second day type of uh, week, and then you know you do get a chance to breathe a little bit here and there, and come up for air and prepare for the next step. But the schedule is quite relentless. Whereas in the American League level, it's more condensed to, to the weekends, and you get a lot of practice time and time to recover and plan and train and uh, develop and all those types of things and you're doing uh, so many things on the fly uh, at the NHL level and that would be the biggest adjustment. Uh, talking to Sheldon Keith. Sheldon, the world is changing and um, and coaches have been under a microscope um, in the last uh, in the last little while. Uh, the world is evolving. The uh, Gary Bettman and the people at the NHL have announced uh, announced a new coach's conduct that the manual that they're working on, uh, addressing a lot of the, uh, um, for lack of a better term, indiscretions of the past. Um, you're you're obviously amongst one of the young guns uh, in coaching. Out in terms of what you've learned, in terms of what is appropriate. Uh, behavior on behalf of a coach. How far has the how far has the needle moved? Well, I think it's moved a tremendous amount, and I, and I think it's really reflective of what's happening in society in general. You know, I think uh, we, we've we've improved as a society in so many ways, and, and uh, now, of course, with the things being as magnified as they are through the use of social media and everything like that, that um, I think we're you know things things spread quicker and we're held to an account uh, to a higher degree and all those types of things. Uh, so I think. There's been an evolution uh, from a coaching perspective that uh, a recognition that um, that you work in so many ways. You work for the players and with the players and uh, developing uh, compassion and empathy and all those types of things that I don't think were necessarily at the forefront um, many years ago. Uh, they certainly are now, and that's that's across all sports. And I think it's across all society in terms of how we, we work in uh, – um, you know, uh, in, in any sort of work environment, how you treat people is is uh, is paramount. So uh, I know that's a priority for myself and for our entire organization. And I don't think we're alone in that. And hockey, I believe, has made lots of strides. Not unlike uh, you know where society has gone as a whole. I, I've got to ask you, Sheldon. You know, um, coaches uh, have been under the microscope in this particular uh, cycle. Uh, I don't envy. I don't envy anybody uh, having a having a coach, you know, 
uh, in the NHL. It, it's, I'm sure there's there's challenges uh, beyond belief, especially, you know, you, you're dealing with 19, 20-year-olds, you're dealing with 30-year-olds, 19, 20-year-olds making a lot of money. Uh, some of them are men, some of them are still trying to get beyond their uh, beyond their childhoods. Um, so do you have any specific um, coaching philosophy or coaching style or motivational techniques? Um, you know, all these players are not necessarily all angels, Sheldon. Um, what do you do to correct behavior if you see something that uh, is impacting the team or impacting that individual? Well, I think it's, as a coach, again, we're, we're not, uh, you know, we're, we're not any different than any other workplace or anything like that, that we face, uh, you know, various different things. I will say we're very fortunate to have a great group uh, in Toronto, and we've got a group of players that uh, have great intentions about everything that they do, and they need some help to to find their way to being uh, to being great and realizing their potential. And it's on me to help them help guide them through that. Uh, at times to push them, at times to hold them accountable, at times to 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 love them and care about them and do all the things that that, uh, that I need to do to, to be able to help that process along. Uh, that is ultimately my job. But as I said, we've, uh, we do have a good group here uh, with the Leafs. Uh, I'm very fortunate for that. And, and as you've mentioned, it is a, a good balance of uh, young players, uh, but also some very experienced uh, players that have high high character and uh, set a great example for our for our team, uh, and and I've been able to benefit from that. I've also got a great coaching staff as well, and lots of experience um, in our upper management, all the way you know, all the way from Kyle Dubas to to Lawrence Gilman and Brandon Pridham, and of course Brendan Shanahan. Uh, you know, uh, lots of different people, but. That do uh, that I contribute to to everything that happens within the organization. That's not even to mention our medical and training staff and wellness staff and all the different people that uh, are able to to help with the, with the entire program. Sheldon, how does it feel coaching the number one storied franchise in NHL history? <laughs> well, it, it's I recognize how special it is. I grew up in Brampton. Ontario myself and and of course you don't even have to be a local guy to know what the Toronto Maple Leafs mean uh to the hockey world and to the city of Toronto. Uh, I feel it uh, I feel it every single day, uh whether we're at home or on the road, uh, just how much the, the team means uh to our fans, to our supporters and it's it's very special. Um I look at it as a tremendous uh, honor. And, and responsibility. I recognize that what, what I'm doing is important to a lot of people. A lot of people care about what we're doing, and, and that inspires me to to do the work to, to be able to, to get our program to, to where we all expect it to be. Uh, Sheldon, it was, uh, you came in uh, November 20th. Uh, Leafs, uh, the team went gangbusters for a while, and then it's uh, sort of plateaued um, up and down, injuries. Um, in terms of preparation for whatever comes next, um, what would you? What, what areas? Uh, what areas would you like to see uh, improvements? And what uh, what will it take to? Uh, assuming we get a playoff, uh, a playoffs of some kind, 
Uh, what will it take for the Leafs to have a significant playoff run? Well, you know, we, we obviously we had a very unique times here right now to where we've had a pause to our season, and um, we're trying as a staff to be able to utilize that to our benefit. You know, the one thing about myself is eventually coming in November 20th, you know, as the season's up and running, and we've already talked about the relentless nature of the NHL schedule and how it's they're basically preparing, uh, preparing and then reviewing games consistently. Um, and then you don't get as much time to be as organized or as prepared as you'd like to be in terms of implementing the different things that you want to do uh, as a team. It's more about kind of plugging holes and keeping guys fresh and being ready for the next game. So, um, you know, I'm excited about that opportunity now to sort of regroup and, and find greater clarity in how it is we want to play and the things we want to do. And then we're going to have a training camp setting when we do resume. So that's exciting for me. And, and I think we'll make some, some, some strides just in that, uh, alone. And that's on, on myself and our staff to be as prepared as possible. And we're working every single day. We haven't taken a day off as a, as a staff, despite the circumstances, we're working every day to, to, uh, to work toward that. And then, you know, the other thing is just, you know, continuing to, to have some growth with our, with our individuals in, in terms of the consistency of play and, and how we prepare and how we perform. Um, and we're having lots of conversations during this time, uh, to work towards that. And whether it's myself and our staff with the players or the players amongst themselves are communicating consistently. And, um, you know, as much as this is, uh, you know, there's no hockey happening here. There's been lots of, ha- uh, lots happening for, about the building of our team and improvement of, our, of the individuals. Uh, we're trying to maximize every day that we have to, to ensure we come back better versions of ourselves. And I've been happy with how we've been able to do so despite the circumstances. Sheldon, what do you consider the strengths of this team? Well, I, you know, the strength of the team is uh, would be in, in the talent and, and the, the ability, the skill level of, of the group all the way through. Of course, there's lots of attention on you know on on our our, our big players, uh, if you will. Um, lots of attention to those guys, and deservedly so, because they've had outstanding seasons to this point and uh, have performed very well um, offensively to to make us among the elite teams in the NHL in that regard. But we've got skill all the way through our team. We've got depth through the, through the minor league system and, and through our prospects through the draft. Um, so there's lots of lots of depth there that I'm excited about in terms of how they continue to develop. But uh, I just think we've got a group of guys that are really committed to growing together. Um, recognize that we're not uh, we're not where we want to be in terms of our consistency and where we are uh, amongst the league, but we're working every day towards that. And the, and the, the, the players you would expect to lead the way and be the hungriest and be the ones to push our team, those are the guys that are driving us. And, and that, for me, as a coach, is exciting. Um, Naz, really quick, we've got about 50 seconds left. Uh, Austin Matthews made big strides this past season. And how far can he go as a player? Well, the, you know, the one thing about a player like Austin is that I, I don't believe there's any any sort of limitations that can, can be put on someone with, with his ability. Uh, I spent a great deal of time here in the last month or so, uh, you know, reviewing all of our players' games, but Austin in particular, and you can just 
see that he can play the game any way that you'd like to play it. If it's going to be physical in nature, he can he can be physical and competitive as anybody, and uh, he wins more of those puck puck battles than than uh, you know, or as many as anybody in the league from my perspective. And he really took great strides in the consistency of his effort and his competitiveness, leading the way in that regard. Because lots of attention as there should be on his ability to shoot and score and. Um, make great plays and, and use his abilities that way. He's an electric player, um, but the whole package uh, from a physical standpoint, the competitiveness and the talent and skill level and then the drive to be great that he has, you cannot put any limitations on him. He's an exciting player for for our program, of course, to continue to push us to new heights. Sheldon, on that note, the clock has struck 10, which means we've got to hustle off the air. Sheldon, we, uh, Naz and I pretend, we, we don't pretend. We are homers. We are Toronto Maple Leafs fans. We don't, uh, we don't pretend otherwise. We wish you and the team all the best. Uh, bring us home the Stanley Cup, and uh, thanks so much for this. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, thank you, guys, and I certainly appreciate uh, your support, as, as all of us with the Leafs do. Thank you. And Naz, unfortunately, uh, we've got to... Sheldon, thank you. I apologize. Uh, uh, thanks so much for joining us. To all our listeners, have a fantastic week. We'll be back again next Sunday morning with Ron McLean. Have a great week. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.